Will Levis has officially been named the Titans starting quarterback and the Titans play the Bucks on the road this weekend. We're going to preview this game and talk about what it means that Mike Vrabel actually came out and said it. Will Levis is QB1. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. So let me just kind of clear up some things here going forward. Um, you know, Will's going to be our quarterback. You know, we're going to we're going to go with Will. We think that's the best opportunity for our football team right now and um you know, see where he's at. I think Ryan um, will progress through here this week. I, I think, and and hopeful, uh, you know, to be a backup for us and prepare as a starter. But that's where we're at right now. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, is Justin Mello, and you just heard it. From the man himself, Mike Vrabel. That was from Tuesday's press conference where Mike Vrabel announced that Will Levis will be the starting quarterback. Justin, what's up? How's it going? Doing well. So happy to... What a breath of fresh air, right? That we don't have to wonder about this. Now, look, I'm not shocked that Mike Vrabel arrived at this decision. I fully expected him to. All those people out there thinking he was going to go back to Tannehill. It's nonsense. Mike Vrabel's a good head coach. He's not an idiot. He saw what everyone else saw. He made the right decision. I'm a little surprised he announced it on Tuesday, right? We know he likes to play things close to the vest typically, and we know he's big on gamemanship and and trying to, you know, get any little advantage he could gain. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised he announced it on Tuesday, but I'm not totally shocked that he just got it out of the way. Doesn't want it to be a distraction. Um, I've watched it. I don't know if you have. I really appreciated the way he addressed Ryan Tannehill at the start of that and addressed the team and talked about what a pro Tannehill's been and, They've won so many games with him at quarterback and how he wants Tannehill to keep preparing like he's a starter. Cause like they always say you're one play away, right. From re-entering the game. So I, I thought that was a really nice touch that no one was probably going to focus on, you know, I mean, three straight playoff appearances an AFC championship game, a couple division titles, like absolutely uh, approach the Tannehill thing the right way. And I, I really liked that. Yeah, I agree. And he said he told the team this morning that Will Levis would be the quarterback moving forward. And as you mentioned, yes, that Ryan Tannehill needs to continue to prepare like a starter, which we know Tannehill will. He was ready in 2019 when he was the last time he was a backup. He was ready to come off the bench then when they needed him. So if Will Levis were to go down in a game, it's nice for the Titans to have Ryan Tannehill as a backup option. However, however, they should have traded him. They should have (laughs) traded him. If Will Levis goes down and you got to put Malik Willis in, whatever, this season, it's not about this season anymore. It's about building the future of this team around your QB1 Will Levis. And speaking of building the future, the team around your future QB1 Will Levis, let's talk a little bit about this upcoming matchup here. Titans get an extra rest period. They've been, you know, historically under Mike Vrabel, they've always been good coming off extra rest. And hopefully that will have allowed some of these injuries, some of these banged up players to get healthier talking about in the secondary with Sean Murphy Bunting and Roger McCreary, but I'm also talking about specifically the offensive line here. We're going to talk more about Will Levis and what him starting means for this team in a second, but let's talk about the offensive line because a lot of guys got banged up in that game. Most of them returned. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, however, did not. Banged up his shoulder. He will, He's undergoing shoulder surgery, so he's going to miss some time here. We saw, you know, a few weeks ago in the Ravens game when Andre Dillard got benched for NPF at left tackle. Then Chris Hubbard goes down with a concussion against the Falcons. The next game, NPF slides back over to right tackle, and Andre Dillard comes back off the bench to play left tackle. Well, Andre Dillard's been one of the worst left tackles in football this season. 
you can't possibly put him back out there at left tackle now that you don't have NPF. We expect Chris Hubbard with the extra rest to be able to return from that concussion this week. He wasn't able to do it against the Steelers, but we expect him to be back this week. So he'll play right tackle. So the question is, who plays left tackle without NPF? Is it Andre Dillard or do they finally turn to Dylan Radins and give him a shot? Yeah, I'd be extremely disappointed if, if it's not Dylan Radins. I mean, first thing, I want to talk a little about Nicholas petit Friere's sophomore season. Okay, what an absolute disaster. Yeah. And what a wasted year, right? Like, initially get suspended six games for the gambling violation. They reduce it to four games. They made some amendments to the policy, I guess, because everyone's gambling. So they changed, they reduced the suspensions. Um, he doesn't immediately reclaim his starting job, which I think was the right move because it's supposed to be the right tackle and Chris Hubbard was playing so well. Well, then Andre Dillard continues playing so poorly that they say, you know what, let's try him at left tackle. I guess he played okay in that game against Atlanta uh, at that position, albeit, you know, the Falcons don't have very good edge rushers. He slides back over to the right for the Pittsburgh game, which is supposed to be his natural position. And he was just awful in 12 snaps. I mean, he looked as bad as anyone could look playing just 12 snaps. Um, I, I didn't have any faith in this pick when they made it. I really didn't. And, 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 and it's just two years in, it's not been good. Uh, you know, next, going into next year, you know, there will be time to talk about that, but I don't see any way how he should even be guaranteed a roster spot, to be blunt. Like, he, he should have to compete for that swing tackle spot. There's no way they enter the year with him as a presumed starter. And if it was up to me, there, he's not guaranteed a roster spot, not by any stretch of the imagination. He's going to have to earn it. And I'm not even convinced he can earn it. I just don't think he's a very good football player. So it is what it is. Moving on. Uh, I'll, I'll be so disappointed if it's not Dylan Radins. I mean, I've said that so many times, but Dillard was so bad against Pittsburgh. He's been so bad in, in most games he has played this season. Radins comes in off the bench, plays right tackle in that game and looks, you know, pretty good, pretty, at least, I guess, at least passable. I think if you think, you know, if we're over, if, you know, I think we could all agree it was passable, you know, based on what he did at right tackle. And, and, and has Andre Dillard played passable this year at all? Like, no, it's been disastrous essentially every single game. So uh, very curious to see how Mike Vrabel handles that. There could be some other shuffling, although I don't think there will be. But until we know for sure, there's a question about Chris Hubbard there, like you mentioned. Maybe there's a question about, you know, Daniel Brunskill and Peter Skaronsky, who played through some injuries in, the, in that game. Maybe something swelled up on him after the game got worse as time progressed. Again, I'm not expecting that, but I'm curious to see if there's other questions that arise on the O-line. But as of now, the left tackle spot's a big, big question. And boy, I'll be pissed if it's not Dylan Reigns. Right. And, you know, you're going up against a, a defense that has a pretty decent pass rush. They haven't been super productive this year, tied with the Titans for 21 sacks, which is middle of the pack in the NFL this year. But Vita Vea returned from injury to play against the Texans last week. You got Joe Tryon Shrianka, former first round pick out there. You got Shaq Barrett, former, you know, NFL sack leader on the other side. So it's not like this is a cupcake matchup. It's not like, you know, the Falcons who weren't you know, pr producing a lot of sacks because they don't have a lot of edge rusher talent. I am, uh, I'm not necessarily nervous, but I'm definitely interested. Like you can't just come out here and not yeah. have your best pass protectors. And who, I don't know, Dylan Raidens might be one of their best pass protectors based on what we've seen from Andre Dillard this year, which is kind of crazy. But, um, yeah, so this is a, is, this is a challenge here before we uh, move on. I want to just remind everyone watching on YouTube to subscribe to the channel. 
and drop a comment below. We're going to get into our game predictions a bit later on the show. Drop your game predictions below in the comments of this of this video. Let us know who's going to win, what your final score prediction is going to be. If anyone nails it, we'll shout it out on the next podcast. Um, but moving on, let's let's talk about the quarterback situation here. So now that we know Will Levis will be the starter going up against a Bucks defense that is allowing the second most passing yards per game in the league. I just mentioned middle of the road in terms of sack numbers and production on that front. So not a very good pass defense. In fact, one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And what's really interesting is this game is coming right on the heels of C.J. Stroud setting rookie records for passing yards in a game, for passing touchdowns in a game. C.J. Stroud against the Bucks last week, 30 of 42 passing, 470 yards and five touchdowns. That included a 75-yard touchdown to Noah Brown in there and another touchdown that, you know, C.J. Stroud led them down the field with under 45 seconds and hit Tank Dell a couple of plays back-to-back and hit him for that game-winning touchdown with six seconds left in the game. So the production's a little bit inflated by game script because, you know, if the if the Houston's defense gets the stop on the Bucks' final drive, then that's 75-ish more yards that and another touchdown that the, the Stroud would have never even attempted to get, but he got him because of the game skip situation. And he was very successful, and he looked really good in this game. A lot of people talking about how C.J. Stroud is, you know, the future of the NFL quarterback position, future obvious face of the franchise for Houston. They found their guy. I do believe all of those things. Let's also not forget, though, this is one week removed from C.J. Stroud losing, what, 13-12 to to the Carolina Panthers, who don't have a very good defense either, so... I think people are, you know, getting a little good team, period. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So people are being a little overreactive here, a little hyperbolic with what they're seeing from Stroud. But at the same time, you can't write off what he did here, even if it is against not very good defense. A rookie record for passing yards, a rookie record for passing touchdowns. Do we expect anything close to this, to these numbers from Will Levis in this game? Because I put out sort of a joking tweet uh, when this happened on Sunday. I said, if CJ Stroud can do this to the Bucks defense, what's Will Levis going to do? Almost kind of, it was a very tongue in cheek <laughs> tweet. A lot of people took it very seriously and were like, are you comparing CJ Stroud and Will Levis? Come on. Stroud is on another <laughs> level. Stroud's offensive line is so much better. The weapons are so much better. Like, I don't know if the weapons are so much better, by the way. Like DeAndre Hopkins is better than anyone Houston has now. They maybe are deeper with Tank Dell and Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz and the guys that they have in that room. I wasn't trying to compare them. And in fact, I was making a joke about it, but people took it way too seriously. But on a serious note, can we expect anything close to that from Will Levis in this game? Well, I've got a lot to say about everything you just said. First thing, and this is not a Texans podcast, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I don't think it's overreactive, by the way, to CJ. I think he's been really good all year long, like really, really good for like 95% of the time this year. So he's he is the real deal, Titans fans. I'm sorry to break it to you, but the Texans do have a franchise quarterback. If you're a Titans fan, what you can't hope for is that the Titans have one of their own. Uh, I love the narrative, right? Because I am very excited to see how Will Levis follows up this performance now. You know, direct competition, quote unquote, with CJ Stroud for a couple of reasons, right? They share the same division. They were drafted in the same draft. In fact, uh, you know, before the draft, if you're looking at it now, a number two overall versus number three, 33 overall, excuse me, no one expected the gap to be that large, right? Like Will Levis, you know, could have been drafted before CJ Stroud, uh, according to some of the pre draft hoopla. So it's a very exciting comparison. And obviously holding him to that standard, despite what he did against Atlanta being similar in terms of, you know, setting some rookie passing game records. It's not realistic per se, right? You're not going to expect that every week. In fact, I expect this game to be quite different. I don't know why. Maybe I shouldn't, 
But this will probably it's the Titans, right? This will probably be an uglier, low-scoring game. I'd be shocked if these two offenses trade blows, you know, and go down the field each time the way those two were and and go 30 for 30 and score 30 points each, you know, if you know what I mean. So I'm expecting a different game, but I will say, and I wrote this in an article for Broadway that's coming out later this week. Um, if Will Levis looks bad against this team or looks bad against this defense one week after CJ did what he did, I do think it's possible that the first, you know, sort of doubt to those little, little just pieces of doubt could start silently creeping into the Will Levis discussion. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I think that sometimes in the NFL, we see this happen where you get blown out one week or you give up a ton of passing yards one week, you go back to the drawing board in the meeting rooms that week and you correct a lot of those issues. For so sure. this For could sure. actually end up working against Will Levis. And it's a very much a week to week league teams often make these changes week yeah. to week and they don't look the same two weeks in a row. And, you know, sometimes a bad defense is a bad defense and it is what it is. And that could be the case with the Bucks here. But I find it hard to believe that they're just going to go back and be like, oh, everything was fine in that game. We don't need to make any adjustments to our past defense, even though we just gave up 470 <laughs> yards and five touchdowns to a rookie quarterback. I think things could be more difficult on Will Levis because of that. On top of that, the Titans play a very different style of football than, you know, most teams. They very much want to ground and pound. And even with Will Levis, we've seen him make some phenomenal throws in his short time as the starter so far. We've seen him make, you know, some questionable decisions attacking too aggressively downfield. We mentioned it before halftime of the Falcons game. We mentioned it towards the end of the Steelers game when he's going deep on fourth and four when he has the, the option open to Kyle Phillips underneath for a first down. So he's making some of those mistakes. But also, the Titans offense with Will Levis has been there's been a lot of what I would call schemed throws in this offense where it's, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, a, a throw that's sort of just like you follow the scheme. You don't make a read. You don't have a chance to make any kind of play on the ball. You have to just do what is what is called here, which is like throw a little screen out to a tight end or a wide receiver or a running back or try to make that screen happen, even though the Titans offensive line is not good at running screens and they don't do a good job of like letting the defender through on purpose so they can get over to the next level where they're supposed to make their blocks and open in, in space in the open field. And the screens have been getting blown up against the Titans all year long. Will Levis has already had to dirt two in just two starts. So I don't necessarily think that the offenses are like they're not letting Will Levis drop back on a consistent basis and just let it rip two minute drive situation yes that's happening more often but in the standard offense like they're going to give it to Henry they're going to give it to Spears a lot and they're going to run these little screen plays that what they think is trying to make it easier on him and it does make it easier on him he doesn't have to read anything he doesn't have to make a decision he doesn't have to go through a drop and, and process through reads and then make a throw into coverage it's a simple play where he just like gets the ball out of his hand quickly behind the line of scrimmage so there's been a lot of those plays in this offense, which kind of takes away from the chance to see Will Levis go out there and execute a drop back passing game. And I don't know that that's going to change yet. You know, it's, it's only his third start, even if it is against a subpar defense, even if the Titans are falling further and further behind the division race. And you're getting to a point where you're kind of just like, I just want to see Will Levis and see what he can be and live with the results because, you know, we got to know going into this offseason if we can really rely on him to function a true drop back passing game at the NFL level. They haven't really got there yet, I don't think. And we'll see if the, anything changes on that front this week. I, I think that's a really fair point. But, but I do want to counter with when we have seen him do it, he's passed those tests with flying colors. Like it's not like he's not going through his progressions and making some impressive throws. In fact, I think some of his best throws 
have come when he's had to sort of cycle through progressions. Like that one to Traylon Burks down the right sideline that got broken up at the last second. That was one. Remember, DeAndre Hopkins was the first read in the Atlanta game. DeAndre Hopkins slips. He comes off that read. He goes to Burks down the right sideline and, right. and throws just a beautifully accurate ball. It's a better defensive play. And, and I've talked about some of the instances where he's come up to the line of scrimmage, identified something pre-snap and made checks and made calls at the line and, and audibled them into a better situation. So uh, as much as they're, you know, he's a rookie quarterback, they should try to protect him with some easy stuff. It's not like it's all he's capable of doing, right? He has, right. He has made some great throws when cycling through his reads and he, he's made some good pre-snap identifications. Um, I want to comment on what you said about the Bucks because I thought that was a great point. Uh, about them correcting mistakes. Like, let's keep in mind, uh, they've got a defensive-minded head coach in Todd Bowles, right? So that's going to be a, a source of pride for him, I think, uh, after watching what happened to his defense on Sunday. And number two, um, it's not like they don't have a lot of talented players in the secondary. They do. In fact, they've got a more talented secondary, in my opinion, on paper than the Titans do, right? Carl Davis is a good cornerback. Antoine Winfield Jr. is an, out- an outstanding safety. They've got Jamel Dean, who I've always liked there. They've got some young up-and-comers, you know, Zion McCollum, Kayvon Merriweather was a guy that's coming out of Iowa. So they've got some talent in that secondary. So they're, they're certainly capable of bouncing back and, 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 you know, putting out a performance that maybe shuts down the Titans passing attack. Yeah. You know, one thing I'd like to see the Titans try in the passing game this week is to really get the tight ends involved, in particular Chigakonkwo. But I also think Josh Wiley, his snap count has been increasing. His usage has been increasing. He was targeted at the very end of that Steelers game on the potential, you know, game winning drive that ended in an interception. So he's been getting more reps out there. Dalton Schultz is coming off an 11 target 10 catch for 130 yards in a touchdown game. His touchdown came in man coverage against Carlton Davis, a cornerback. So, I mean, Dalton Schultz is a talented receiving tight end. That's He's in that mold, you know, of those guys, the Zach Ertz's, the Travis Kelsey's, the guys that go out there and beat cornerbacks in man coverage. But I want to see if Chigakonkwo can have sort of a breakout game because we've kind of been waiting for it all year. He's been dealing with drops. He hasn't been the same kind of tackle breaker that we saw in his rookie season. His efficiency numbers have plummeted from a yards per route run, yards per catch, yards run after the catch standpoint. Let's see if we can get him going in this game. I kind of want to see him breaking the defense down over the middle, seeing if he can take advantage of one-on-one matchups against cornerbacks who are smaller than him, even though he's not the biggest tight end. He's got a big body. He's definitely a strong, big-bodied kind of guy. Let's see if Chikikonkwo can get going in this game, and to a smaller extent, Josh Wiley, because I think that's where you're going to find mismatches when you talk about such a talented secondary. You almost wonder if Carlton Davis travels with DeAndre Hopkins, although I don't think the Bucks have been having their top corner travel with a lot of top receivers. I would like to see it if, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is being sort of taken out of the game by their best corner and double coverage or anything, go to your other options. I think Kyle Phillips working underneath and particularly the tight ends are going to have that mismatch if the Titans want to try to exploit it. That's something that remains to be seen. But do you think there's any chance we see that sort of breakout game from Chigakonkwo this week? I'm in, I got to see it to believe it mode at this point with him right he just hasn't been very good this year it's not working out for him I don't know what's going on whether there's a nagging injury uh schematic differences right something not on the same page whatever it is it hasn't worked out for him this year so I'm in see it to believe it mode I I do think you bring up a great point you look at the success Dalton Schultz had I mean that's something the Titans got to look at and identify I will make a bold I don't know if it's a bold prediction but I, I will say I bet Josh Wiley does get a target in the red zone this year 
this, mm. this year, this year, this game. I wouldn't be surprised if that, <laughs> not in the red, that comes in the end zone specifically, a first and goal play action. Maybe they bring out the Derrick Henry Wildcat again and try to hit Josh Wiley uh, for his second career touchdown catch from the King. So that's the one thing I feel more comfortable saying, I think, than predicting a, a predicting a breakout game for Chicka Conquo. Yeah, the red zone usage. Um, anything else you want to talk about with this Titans offense before we flip over and talk about the defense against the Bucks offense? No, let's talk about the defense. I, I think I'm ready to look at, we've, you know, we, we've, we've sort of talked about how um, the, the Texans had a lot of success passing the ball on them. Well, what about the success the Bucks have had passing the ball, right? They like people, they put up 37 points in that game. They yeah. led what they thought was a game winning drive at the very end of it. And by the way, um, they've got two outstanding receivers in Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So if you're underestimating the Bucks in this game, I mean, first of all, you're three and five. You shouldn't be underestimating anyone as a Tennessee <laughs> Titans fan. That's just the, the truth. But if for whatever reason you're kind of pointing your nose up and saying Baker Mayfield, that quarterback, they've got a pretty big mismatch uh, advantage there at receiver versus corner. I mean, yes, I'm expecting the Titans to get both Sean Murphy Bunting and Roger McCurry back. That should help a ton because certainly, you know, Eric Gerrard and, and Trey Avery, they all struggled in that game against Pittsburgh. So certainly an upgrade for the Titans. Christian Fulton's been playing a lot better lately. So you, you like that. But uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I mean, one of the best one-two punches in all of football at the receiver position. So certainly uh, an advantage for them in this game. Yeah, Mike Evans is on pace for yet another 1,000-yard season. I believe, if my math is correct, that would be his 26th 1,000-yard season in a row to start <laughs> his career. It's, it's, I mean, one of the most underrated players in football history, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. It would it will be his 10th, though. If he stays healthy this year, he's going to put up his 10th straight 1,000-yard season all every season he's ever played in the league. He already has five touchdown catches this year. Last season, he had six throughout the entire season and he's had you know four double digit touchdown seasons in his career but he's tracking for another one of those this year and this is the matchup if you're playing fantasy football and you got Mike Evans you're playing daily fantasy FanDuel DraftKings whatever and you're looking at guys with good matchups this week Mike Evans against this Titans secondary is a good one and if Roger McCreary is not back yet you mentioned Chris Godwin who plays a majority of his snaps in the slot if it's Chris Godwin against Eric Garor in the slot that is a mismatch that the the Bucks are going to exploit too, especially with how often the Titans like to you know switch up zone and man coverage. He's going to get his chances against man coverage there, running like horizontally across the field and asking a slot corner to keep up with Godwin. That entire you know distance from sideline to sideline is going to create open plays for this Bucks offense. I just hope that the run defense can be better than what we've seen because the Bucks running game has not been very efficient this year. Rashad White has had a, a few good games here and there. He's gotten in the end zone a few times. He had two touchdowns against the Texans on Sunday. So he's doing say, okay. He was really for, good in that Houston game. Yeah, he was really good last week and he's been good down, you know, close to the goal line. But overall, from a, from an overall efficiency standpoint, the Bucks running game has struggled. There's been questions about when, you know, they're, uh, they're, other running backs are going to get chances to touch the ball over White, and I think White has kind of calmed those those calls down over the last few weeks with some good performances. But it's not like you're going up against you know Saquon Barkley or or even like the Falcons running game or yeah. some of these teams the the Ravens running game. Like this isn't a team that has a great running game, and the Titans run defense over the last four games has been putrid. And the Steelers were a, a team like this who came into the game with a struggling running game with calls for the backup to get more touches than the starter, and that being Jalen Warren over Najee Harris. And Najee had one of his best games of the season against this Titans defense. Is the run defense with this mini-buy 
Are they going to make any changes here or make any corrections? Are they going to start bringing more guys from the secondary, from the like the safety spot down into the box? Because the first you know four games of the year, the Titans' run defense was surviving in a too high shell because their down linemen were eating up blocks and their linebackers were getting downhill. The last four weeks, it hasn't been the case. Are the Titans going to start putting more bodies in and around the line of scrimmage to try to stop the run? And if so, what does that do to the already struggling pass defense? I think that's what you have to worry about in this game. If the Titans can prove that they are, you know, back to being able to shut down the run, then you can keep more bodies in in the secondary and off the line of scrimmage. And then you have a better chance in zone coverage of slowing down these talented receiving options. And they also have a great tight end over the middle. I mean, great is a stretch, but Kate Otten also scored two touchdowns against the the Texans last week. Granted, you put up 37 points. There's going to be a lot of touchdowns to go around. I don't know if that's going to happen this week. I think the Titans defense is better at limiting teams, especially in the red zone. They've been one of the top red zone defenses this year, but they've got to be that bend don't break type of defense in this game. Because if you let the Bucks score 23 points, are you confident that this Titans offense can put up more than 23 points in a game? Like we've only seen it a handful of times. So uh, th- that to me is where this game comes down to. If you can stop the run in your base look, you got a great chance to get the Bucks off the field. If you can't, you're in for a world of hurt this Sunday, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, and by the way, they're making changes potentially to the personnel, right? They waived Naquan Jones uh, on Tuesday, and they also worked out a former second-round pick in Ross Blacklock, uh, former se- of the former second-round pick of the Colts, I think it was. Te- I can't remember. Texans? Texans? I think it was Texans. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Texans. Texans it was. Sorry, Texans. And uh, they worked him out. They waived Naquan Jones, so TBD there if they're going to actually bring him in. But – they're obviously making changes to that D-line group where they're interested in making changes. Uh, I'm going to talk about something you didn't mention because you talked about the run D. I think you did a great job covering that. We'll see how they respond. What about this pass rush that really struggled against the Steelers? They'll be going up against what's a fairly inexperienced offensive line um, in Tampa Bay. Of course, you know, Tristan Wirfs is an outstanding left tackle. He's made a great job uh, moving over to that side of the ball. Uh, you know, was formerly a right tackle, but he's looked great on the left side. He's one of the best tackles in all of football. That'll be a tough matchup, presumably for, you know, guys like Arden Key and Dina Kowatri have spent most of their time lining up opposite that, uh, you know, on that side of the ball. Uh, but I look elsewhere. You look, you you know, you think about Jeffrey Simmons against the left guard, who's a bit of a veteran journeyman and, and, and Matt Feel, a feeler. And I think, you know, Jeffrey Simmons could have an advantage there. Potentially, I look at the right guard, who's Cody Mock, a rookie, uh, a guard, sorry, a tackle turned guard. I mean, another one out of North Dakota State, by the way. So how about the Cody Mock versus Dylan Raiden's game? Which one's a guard? <laughs> which one's a tackle? That's the real storyline of this game. But no, Cody Mock's a guy I really like coming out of uh, North Dakota State. He's playing at right guard for them. So, But, you know, an ex- inexperienced guy, so there's potential to try to expose that. And they've also got an, an inexperienced right tackle, a second-round sophomore in Luke Goddicke, who played collegially at Central Michigan. If my memory serves me correctly, he was a tackle in college, and then they played him at guard last year in Tampa Bay. And now because of the need at tackle, they moved him back over to right tackle, and he's a starting right tackle. So this is a fairly inexperienced O-line. You've got a, a rookie right guard, a sophomore right tackle that's not very experienced playing the position at this level. Uh, so when you look at guys like Harold Landry, Travis Gibson, obviously I talked about uh, Jeffrey Simmons and the mismatch he creates every week. 
there could be an opportunity here for the Titans pass rush to get back on track. They should be very disappointed with themselves with how they played against the Steelers. That's not a very good O-line. They had a banged up quarterback. They didn't show up to that one. Well, now you've got sort of an inexperienced average O-line outside of a really good left tackle. You've got a quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who holds on to the football at times, has been prone to taking sacks, is prone to committing turnovers. Um, so certainly this is an opportunity, I think, for them to sort of right last week's wrong. Yeah, I totally agree on that front. And, you know, you talked about some guys that they worked out here. I'm changing gears a little bit. Um, talked about some guys they worked out. Traylon Burks, we haven't had any official word yet, but after what we saw on the field last week with him getting knocked out, and yeah. we we would expect Burks to miss a lot of time. If not, you know, he could miss the rest of the season, honestly. That was one of the more serious concussions, his second concussion in as many years. Yeah. So you want to be safe with that, obviously. So the Titans are apparently, reportedly, Working out, former Steelers wide receiver who played in the XFL last year, Martavis Bryant, who was, you know, historically one of those guys that was like, holy shit, this is the next big thing at receiver when he was with the Steelers, got traded to the Raiders, I think, and was one of those guys that would have like three catches in a game for 160 yards and two touchdowns. And It's like, what kind of stat line is this? He just catches bombs. The Titans could use a guy that can stretch the field deep, that can get behind a defense, especially when you have a quarterback like Will Levis, who has the arm strength and the talent and the aggressiveness to take those kinds of shots. Do you see anything happening here between the Titans and Martavis Bryant? I mean, the Cowboys are working him out first, so we'll see if they get first dibs on it. I imagine he'd love to go play for the Cowboys. But, you know, sometimes you're also looking for opportunity. There's probably more snaps in this Titans offense, especially if Traylon Burks is out. One thing I will say about him, and I'd like to see it work out, um, you remember a little differently. What I remember Martavis Bryant, and I could be wrong here, I remember him being a really a pretty good contested catch guy as well. So mm-hmm. with Will Levis's willingness to kind of throw up that ball and give his guy a shot in one-on-one situations – it could end up being a good fit between them. Again, we're a little premature here. We, we, you know, we don't even know if he's coming in for sure, but if they do bring him in, maybe he could push, you know, Nick Westbrook for some of those snaps opposite DeAndre Hopkins. Again, assuming um, that, that Traylon Burks is going to be out for quite a while. And I think it is safe to assume based on the severity of that concussion. So we'll keep everyone posted. Um, hopefully, you know, they're bringing him in Wednesday apparently. And, and hopefully uh, it, it'd be exciting to see him come here and see if he could sort of, uh, you know, breathe life into his NFL career. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right. Anything else you want to talk about in this game or should we get to our guest? Let's bring on our guest. Great, great folks over at Peter Report. Scott from the Peter Report. So many, I mean, a a huge social media following. They've been covering the Bucs for more than a decade now. They really are some of the best around uh, if you're looking for a Tampa Bay perspective. So let's do it and let's bring in Scott. Scott, what is going wrong for this 31st ranked book secondary right now? You know, obviously, it's an interesting matchup, right? Another rookie quarterback in yeah. Will Levis after CJ Stroud kind of, you know, tore him up there yeah. on Sunday. So what do you think is going wrong with this secondary? I think that Todd Bowles is a little bit in no man's land because he's got some players. He's got two outside corners, when healthy, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis that are really good in man coverage. But uh, he's got some players that are not good in man coverage. Uh, rookie nickel corner, Christian Izian. Linebacker Devin White and strong safety Ryan Neal, right? So if he plays man, and usually I know you can do some combo coverages and things like that, but typically uh, when when you want to marry your secondary with your pass rush, right? Um, you're you're usually playing man across the board, right? You might have um, you know you can play you know uh, cover two man under. You can do some things like that, right? But 
But I, I think that he is looking at the numbers and saying, I got two guys that play man really well and three that don't. So we're going to play more zone because that's a, that's a little bit less risk, a little bit less danger there. The problem is they're getting carved up in zone. And, and I think with Carlton Davis having a horrible game, gave up three touchdowns, including the game winner, you have to wonder just how kind of mentally frustrated, how checked out he might be, how resigned he is to having to play something he's not nearly as good at. And he thrives in man. And he wants that challenge to, to say, I, you know, it's cat coverage, right? I got that cat. You got that cat. And you follow him across the field. And so I think fundamentally th- there, there are some, some issues in the meeting room. And, and I think we're seeing the, the, the uh, unhealthy dividends of those meetings on the field. And it's, it's causing some mm-hmm. problems in Tampa. That's extremely interesting. And now I know the Bucks were sort of up against the cap entering this summer, so yeah. it probably wasn't very realistic. But hearing all of those issues, is there any regret you think to letting Sean Murphy bunting go? A guy who's versatile for the Titans, is playing man, is playing zone, can play nickel, can play the boundary. Uh, this is a classic quote-unquote revenge game yeah. opportunity uh, for Sean Murphy bunting as he gets a chance to go up against the Bucks here. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if if they really regret letting go of Sean Murphy Bunting as much as they've regret letting go of Jordan Whitehead to the Jets a couple of years ago. They have not found a, a safety who is who is you know anywhere near as good as Anton Winfield Jr. is, and he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. I think Jordan Whitehead is kind of a Pro Bowl light type player, right? Where he he can make some plays. He's a solid player, really good player, run and pass. And they got Ryan Neal from the Seahawks. And honestly, they thought they had a steal because they looked at the at the film, right? It was pretty good film last year, right? He had a, a very high pro football focus grade. I think he was the highest graded safety maybe last year. But the problem is when the Seahawks rescinded his restricted free agent tender, right? Jamal, Jamal Adams coming back. He's the starter. That's the reason why Ryan Neal got in the field. And uh, and then you look around and they got him for like a bargain basement price. So that kind of tells you what the market was was saying. Well, a lot of teams don't think he's worth that much. And here you have the team that that was going to pay him. They rescinded the offer and they said, we like that guy over there on the Giants, Julian Love, better. And so that was really kind of telling. And I think now we're seeing why Seattle wanted to, to punt on Ryan Neal. And he's just not good in coverage. I mean, he's given up so many touchdowns and plays, including a 75-yarder on Sunday. And so as much as, as Sean Murphy Bunting has some flexibility, uh, yeah, they might miss him in the slot, right? Because they're being forced to play Christian Izian, who is up and down as most rookies are in the secondary, but they really miss that other complementary safety to, to Winfield, and that's Jordan Whitehead. Interesting. You know, as you were talking there about the different coverages the Bucks have played, I, I was, I've been wondering this coming into this game, and I wonder what your thoughts are now after hearing you say that. Is there any chance Carlton Davis shadows DeAndre Hopkins and sort of follows him around in mostly man coverage in this game, or are the Bucks going to stick to the, sort of mixing it up like they have been? Oh, he would love to. He would <laughs> love to to do that, right? Um, and he's had some good battles with with D Hop in the past, yeah. where the different stops he's been. Houston was one of those, obviously. And so I think he would relish that opportunity. And maybe after seeing what transpired on Sunday uh, in Houston. Maybe there, there's got to be some kind of heart-to-heart talk or communication between Todd Bowles and Carlton Davis. Carlton, what's wrong? That was mm. not you, and and it can't be you, right? We can't have that again on on any Sunday. 
going forward if we're going to have a chance to win. So I, I think Carlton would love that opportunity, but Bowles has just been so hesitant. It's kind of crazy. He gets this, this, you know, moniker as, as a very aggressive coach, but we haven't seen the blitzes this year to the rate that they have been in years past. We haven't seen the aggressive press man coverages. It's been this mostly soft zone and it's, it's been killing the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, they, if you look back at that Falcons game, right, the Falcons only scored 16 points, but there were three red zone turnovers within the five yard line, right? Or right. I should say two within the five. Well, I think one was about the 15 yard line. It's a sack fumble by Shaq Barrett. And, and so uh, if, if you, you know, if they didn't have those takeaways right there, that, that's at least nine points on the board, right? That, that should have been there for Atlanta, if not a touchdown or two. Right. So, um, the, I think he's got to just go for broke and play a little bit more aggressive coverage and see what happens. They, they blitzed CJ Stroud on 10 out of 24 pass attempts in the first half, and they held the Texans to 10 points. And one of those was a touchdown. It was a quick slant to Nico Collins. But in the second half, Bowles called off the dogs, went to so much zone coverage. And I think the numbers were three blitzes out of 20 pass attempts. And then you surrender 29 points. Wow. So that should tell you, like, hey, go for broke, use pressure, play man coverage, cross your fingers and see what happens. Because the other way, no pressure. Uh, and they're not getting it done with the four-man front. That When I say pressure, the four-man front's not getting it done. Pressure has to be a blitzing DB, blitzing linebacker or two. And they're just not doing it nearly enough to help their pass rush. And and uh, you're allowing C.J. Stroud, I, I want to say he had, 3.11 seconds time to throw. Wow. And uh, that, that's that's an incredibly, I mean, that's that's like a, a rodeo, right? Like where you ask <laughs> Cowboys to hang on for eight seconds, right? Um, I mean, three three seconds uh, is almost like eight seconds in, in NFL time. So just an incredible amount of time for C.J. Stroud to to look, find the open receiver. And, and he, you know, Todd Bowles and the coverage made it easy on him. And before Graver gets to his next question, Scott, I just want to let you know this is a perfect get right matchup then for the Bucks pass rush because the Titans can't block anybody. So uh, they might be able to get pressure sending zero in this game. So it's it's good news for the Bucks. Well, I don't know because the, the Falcons were, you know, at the time Desmond Ritter had been sacked 19 times. I think they got to him twice in that game, but but Ritter had a bunch of scrambles. And I don't know, Tampa's front four, they just – you know, Kalijah Canty, I mean, he has been a breath of fresh air. He is the motor right there up front. Vita Vea, he's been dinged up. He's good. He can provide some push. He can get that, you know, one sack every other game or so, just kind of on power. Um, he had a really good game against the run, had a couple of tackles for loss. But really where they're suffering is their outside linebackers. And that's that's usually their bread and butter with the Todd Bowles defense thing. John Abraham back there in Arizona, right? Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett, like the younger version of Shaq Barrett here in Tampa. They just haven't had it this year. You've got three sacks apiece for Shaq Barrett, Joe Tryon, Shoinka. But when your nose tackle's leading your team in sacks with three and a half, and Vita Vea <laughs> led him in sacks last year at six and a half. So this has been an ongoing problem. The outside linebackers have let the Bucks down. Wow, yeah. And it's funny you talk about, you know, just time time to go for broke. We were talking about it before you joined us earlier that, you know, coming off a game where you allow a team to throw for 470 yards and five touchdowns, let alone yeah. a rookie, like any team doing that, but let alone a rookie. 
Um, this might be the week you make some changes to your approach to that defense. So we'll see what kind of adjustments they make against Will Levis and the Titans. But speaking of Will Levis, moving yep. over to the other side of the ball here. During the draft, you know, Will Levis was projected anywhere from a top five pick to uh, somewhere in the first round to maybe early yep. second round. When he started sliding on draft day, a lot of people looked around and said, you know, Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense here. If they want to grab mm-hmm. their quarterback of the future, they got a, a cheap bridge guy in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Now, it's only been two games of Will Levis starting his third start coming up this weekend. But Levis has been, you know, pretty dang impressive so far. Yeah. Do you think the Bucks regret not taking the chance on Levis when he was sliding in the draft? You think they're happy with Baker right now? I mean, Baker's played pretty well this year, all things considered. But is he the future of this team, or do you think they regret not jumping on Will Levis when they could? Well, it's interesting. You mentioned like the revenge game for Sean Murphy Bunting. I think this is a revenge game for Will Levis. I think mm. when the Bucks were on the clock at number nineteen, I think Will Levis was thinking, "Okay, finally, I'm going to get off the <laughs> off uh, off my butt and get up there and, and go meet the commissioner now." Right, and it didn't happen. And I I, I didn't think Levis was ever in play. We kind of heard through the grapevine that. There were some some you know things, not, not even really quarterback related, but more maybe like leadership, right? Like just personality and preparation and those kind of intangible things that maybe he was missing physically. He looks the part and can throw the heck out of the football, right? Um, time will tell if they really regret it, but I don't think the Buccaneers in this instance were ready to pull the trigger because they they did sign Baker Mayfield, like you, you mentioned, he is a bridge guy. They still had to find out about Kyle Trask, who they already had a second-round pick invested in. Mm-hmm. And so if you draft Will Levis in the first round, what has to happen, right? Like, he's got to leapfrog Trask, and then you'd never find out if this guy can play or not. Then it's essentially a wasted second-round pick. And then what message are you sending Baker Mayfield, right, where it's like, hey, you tell me I was going to come in here and go up against this unproven guy, Kyle Trask. Now, all of a sudden, you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, right? Would it, like So am I on a short leash? I just don't think there would have been enough reps in training camp too in a brand new offense, right? So yeah. it, it, there's a lot of things to consider. Dave Canales brought this system over from Seattle. Baker Mayfield has been a very good fit in it. I don't think he's the long-term answer in Tampa. But having said that, it's just, all right, now I've, I'm a rookie play caller and I've got to develop a, a first-round draft pick, right? And I've got to get Baker, who's you know a journeyman, one minute in a franchise, face of the franchise the next, and – it, it would have been a lot to happen down here, but I think this will be a revenge game for Will Levis. I've been impressed. I've seen the, the, the tape on him. He's certainly, I think, has benefited from not starting day one. I think that's a huge mistake that so many teams do is they, they start rookies from day one. I think this is a better situation where you kind of get to go through half a season, understand the lay of the land. It's your rookie year. It's like kind of like freshman year on campus, right? It's like, um, Imagine walking into class the first day and you got to take your final. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) This is my first day on campus. (laughs) And so I I think that the Titans have waited the appropriate amount of time. Obviously, you know, Tannehill, he's never healthy, it seems. But, you know, he's better than Malik Willis. So I've been impressed with what I've seen. I I think he's going to come in and light the bucks up. I really do. (laughs) Titans fans certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah, Titans fans are going to love that quote, Scott. Um, we spent a lot of time sort of talking about the weaknesses, right, yeah. about this Bucks team. You talked about the secondary. You've talked. You've mentioned the linebackers, some of the pass rush. Uh, what are the strengths of this Bucks team right now, and where do you think they may have an advantage entering Sunday? 
Prior to Sunday, I would have said maybe the defense was the strength because they were doing a pretty good job not allowing points, but they allowed 39 points uh, to a rookie quarterback. And, and I don't know that, that that's necessarily an aberration. I, I, I don't think that the Titans are going to score 39 points. They might not, not even score 29 points. But I think there are some systemic issues on defense that were kind of – it was like a slow burn, kind of like a slow build. And so when it happened, I don't think that – that this fire has been extinguished just after one week where you can just chalk it up and say, okay, well it ignited and, and we put the fire out. Now I think it's, I think there's some smoldering embers there. So I don't know where the strength is on, on this team. They're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. They're not creating enough takeaways. The secondary starting secondary has yet to record an interception. Um, Kalijah can is a bright spot. Levante David is playing um, like he is, punched father time in the face and like knocked him out. Um, <laughs> he's playing like he's 23, not 33. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, he's actually playing better than Devin White, who's playing awful football. He's in a contract year and the Bucks are not going to resign him. He's delusional. He thinks he's going to get 18, $20 million a year. He'll be lucky to get what he's getting this year, which is 11.7 million on a one-year deal elsewhere. Um, so that's a problem that the Bucks are also having to deal with. Uh, Mike Evans is still having a good year when they get him the ball. I just don't think that they're doing enough to to really force feed Mike, and and um, he's their best weapon. Still going strong at age thirty, he's going to have his barring any injuries, he's going to have his tenth one thousand yard season in a row. Future Hall of Famer, Chris Godwin's good when they get him the ball. I just don't know that that this coaching staff. It seems like it's whack-a-mole right now, right? Where it's like you've got all of a sudden, like, they can't run the ball, right? Boom, we'll throw the ball. Well, then, you know, Chris Godwin's not getting the ball. Boom, well, you know, we'll do this. And and then defensively, we're not getting enough sacks, okay? We'll blitz more. And then, you know, we're not getting home, and all of a sudden, we're giving up touchdowns. Boom. So I, I think there's a lot of things in disarray right now in Tampa Bay. They need a win desperately. They've lost four in a row. They're one and three at home, so they're actually better on the road. But it just seems like this thing is spiraling out of control right now. And and there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people in the building. And I don't know that, that they're going to turn this around. Interesting. Well, Scott, we really appreciate your time here. In closing, we got one last question for you. Sure. Prediction question. We do this with all our guests on our preview shows. How yeah. do you see this game unfolding? Sort of give us like a game flow prediction. And then if you have, you know, if you're up for it, maybe a final score prediction as well. What do you think? Well, I think that this is going to be kind of a low-scoring game, right? Uh, at its root, you've got a Todd Bowles defense that's pretty good stopping the run, right? And if, if they can stop uh, King Henry uh, from going wild, I, I think they'll have a, a pretty good chance to, to hold the Titans to 24 points or less. Offensively, we have not seen that type of explosion point-wise at all this year. The previous eye was 26 points. Uh, the Buccaneers uh, scored 37 points. It was the first time that, that they have lost scoring 20 points or more that they really struggled to score in a lot of these games. So I think that given the outcome of last week, they would have loved to have saved some of those points for this week, but you can't do that, right? <laughs> so having said that, I think this is going to be kind of a, of a defensive slugfest a little bit. Uh, may the best offense win. It's going to come down to, to turnovers. Tampa Bay, has done a very good job of not turning the ball over. They had a fumble last week, but that was like on the last, you know, kind of Hail Mary here, you know, you, you, you catch it and run with it, you know, trying to scramble and find a, a way to score a touchdown in the, the last play of the game. But 
they do a really good job of protecting the football. That gives them a chance. If they can continue to play turnover free, Baker Mayfield has not thrown an interception in the last two weeks, and he's had two touchdowns in each of the last two games. So I, I think whichever offense kind of establishes itself and, and has some success uh, wins, it's probably going to be low scoring, probably going to be a close game. I think the Titans probably win this 23-20. Nice. Titans fans will certainly love to hear that. Scott, thank you so much again for your time and insight here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Scott from Pewter Report for his time and insight there, like some of the things he said. Uh, Justin, it's time now for our game predictions as we close out this podcast. What have you got for us, Titans Bucks, on Sunday? I'm reluctantly going to go with a Titans win. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go 26-20 Titans. I think Will Levis has a third really good game in a row. Keeps looking like a franchise quarterback. Moves the offense down the field consistently. Titans score 26. They'll never score 30 ever again. But they score 26. (laughs) They win the game 26-20. Will Levis looks good. We keep being excited about his potential. He'll be 3-0 in terms of performance-wise. Three great performances, zero bad performances. Franchise quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, Will Levis, 26-20. Boom. Love that. I am also going to predict a Titans win reluctantly, as you said, because at the same time, like it's not the worst thing in the world if they just keep losing games and Will Levis looks great and then they get a high draft pick to build around their future franchise quarterback. But I am going to predict just like I did last week, and I'm going to do this maybe every week until it happens, because eventually it's going to happen. Right. The Titans score 30 this week. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 31 27 Titans win. Both of these teams can move the ball. Both of these teams are struggling on defense. I think the the Bucks are winning 27-24 in the fourth quarter, and Will Levis leads that game-winning wow. drive to make it 31-27 Titans. I think the defense is going to struggle to stop this Bucks offense, but I think the Bucks offense, the Bucks defense is also going to struggle to stop the Titans offense. I think they finally break through for the first time since week 17 of 2021 wow. and they score 30 points in this game. My 30 crazy? points in this economy? <laughs> Are you kidding I mean, me? You look around the league and it's like some teams are scoring 30 points in their sleep. Like, the it's just, it's so frustrating. The Ravens to have see done that. it in three straight games. Yeah, exactly. Lamar Jackson just, has nine touchdown passes this year. They've scored 30 points in three straight games. And they absolutely dominated a pretty good, a pretty decent Seahawks team. The Vikings scored 31 points last week with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. Like, come on. It's possible. The Raiders just fired their head coach and put up 30 on the Giants last weekend. Like, come on, guys. It's not that hard to score 30 points. Can you just do it? And I think Will Levis is the the player that can lead them to doing that. And uh, all right. That will do it for this episode. Thanks to everyone for still tuning in. Remember to drop your game predictions in the comments below. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on, hit the little bell, turn on alerts so you get a notification every time we drop a new video. One of those new videos is going to be a Will Levis video breakdown. Actually, by the time this podcast is out, I might have already posted it. But in case I didn't, I'll continue to tease it here. So look for that soon or or already. Look for it regardless. It'll be out there. Um, and follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. You can follow me at Titans Film Room. We'll be back next week to recap this Bucks Titans game. Until then, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.